Yeah, you guys may be seated. We are starting a new tradition, I said at the very beginning today, of uh, here called a Day of Champions. Um, this is kind of the way we're going to end the summer, and we're going to start the fall. We're going to do this every single year. And uh, today, our special guest is none other than the three-time first-team All-American and defensive end from the University of Georgia, and the former game day host, David Pollock. Why don't you come up here and join me on stage. You guys can put your hands together and welcome him. I said former because it's true, and he made fun of it earlier, so I can make fun of it too, right? Right? Hey, just because I made fun of it doesn't mean you can. <laughs> well, you know, some of you, you have never heard of David Pollock. You've never met David Pollock, so I'm going to start our time together like this. David, why don't you introduce yourself, tell them a little bit about who you are, and even why you're important and why you're here. I didn't know I was important. <laughs> you're um, important. They came for you. Yeah, uh, my name is David Pollock. I grew up in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Thank the good Lord. Oh, wow. I, didn't, I was not expecting that from New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, moved to Georgia when I was uh, four years old, and um, my daddy always told me I was going to be a scarlet knight, and I was like, what the heck is a scarlet knight? He told me I was going to go to Rutgers, and thank the good Lord we moved down south of Georgia. Um, started football when I was four years old, and um, it became my, my passion for my life. My, my, my brother was six. So he was two years older than me, and I tackled everything in sight on the sidelines. Uh, I just I knew football was like in here, and so uh, that's kind of what started my my football journey. And that's my my parents were great parents. They 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 supported the heck out of me. We my dad was my youth league football coach. Uh, my mama was my disciplinarian, and I'm the spinning image of my mama. You crossed her, you got a hand upside the head. Like she was, she, mama was legit. Understood. Yeah. A lot of people understand what I'm talking about when you know that. Absolutely. All right. So we have a picture of your family. We want you real quick to introduce those, that crew. Oh, they're going to be up here. They're up there now. Yeah. All right. Um, on the left, from, starting from left to right, Leah, she is my eighth grader. She is 13 years old. She just turned 13. My wife is in the middle, Lindsay. And then my son, Nicholas, is an eighth grader. He, uh, he just started ninth grade. Excuse me. He is on the, on the right side, and he is 14 years old. So that is my, that's my crew. That's my squad. Perfect. All right, so we have high school athletes in the room today. And one thing that you may or may not know about David is he was a three-star athlete in high school, and he became a three-time first-team All-American in college. What is the road? What is the path for, for a high school athlete to get from that place to that place? How would you say you arrived at that? I think it's going to be windy. Um, it's going to be confusing. It's going to be very, very difficult. Um, you know, I think a saying that, that sticks out to me that I've always, that I've always clung to is don't give up what you want for what you want right now. And I think I say that to y'all athletes and I say that to all y'all here, like whatever my focus is, I think we get caught up in our, in our we get, we, we have our focus and we have our long-term goal, but then today gets caught up in it. And today is oh, I wake up and I play video games and six hours later I look up and the day is gone. Right. Like, how do I how do I maximize each day? How do I set goals? Um, you know, when I, I was an eighth grader, so a little bit earlier than some of y'all high school kids. And I was watching the World Cup and during the World Cup. So I was 14 years old watching the World Cup. And during the World Cup, they said that the, uh, the athletes stopped drinking carbonation because it hurt their conditioning. So 14 years old, I've got a dream of going to the NFL. That was my dream since I was six. I told everybody that would listen. That's the last time I've ever touched a carbonated beverage in my life. Because if I wanted to get here, then I had to give that up. And I, and I think 
what y'all are going to think is it's going to be easy and all of us with our journey, but like I signed at the University of Georgia as a fullback. Well, everybody got hurt in fall camp. I moved to defensive tackle and played defensive tackle as a freshman. Well, going into my, my sophomore year, everybody left for the NFL. We had four guys go to the NFL at Georgia to play defensive end. I'd never played defensive end a day in my life, not once. Um, so they moved me to defensive end in the spring. So I think we get caught up in like where we are. And a lot of times we just don't do the best we can with where we are. Right. We, I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, how do I do that today to maximize that in the future? And I think like I was, I was one of those people that always, I, I wanted to bring it every single day. I wanted to have energy. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to enjoy what I was going through, but I listened to my coaches. I took what they said to me, but in the end, I just worked really hard wherever they put me and wherever, whatever, whatever success looked like to me was given everything I had is 9,000 miles an hour. And then you kind of live with everything else. About that. So he went from a three-star athlete to a three-time first-team All-American to a first-round draft pick. So what, what role does faith play? Well, for, for me, faith was, is going to look a lot different than some of y'all. I had never been in church a day in my life until uh, my senior year of high school. And somebody invited me to a lockout when I, was, when I was going into my senior year, and I was like, what's that? And they're like, you get to go to a gym and play sports all night. I'm like, in, 100% in. I don't have to go to bed? No, don't have to go to bed, in. Like everybody, I think, enjoyed that. And I didn't know I was going to hear about Jesus, but I heard about Jesus for the first time. And then I had, a, I had a teacher named Mark Watson. And I think this is something that's important for all of us that are believers, that are believers in here. I had a teacher that... He was an unbelievable modeler of faith. He didn't say it. He didn't talk about it. We went to a public school. We weren't allowed to talk about Jesus. But the way Mark Watson lived his life, I knew something about him was different. And so for, I, I did a really good job. I had, I'm ADD energy boy, and I did a really good job of getting in trouble. Like, I was really good at it. Um, I could not even remotely rattle Mark Watson. Like, nothing bothered him. So that, that kind of annoyed me. So I, I think God kind of used my stubbornness. And so for outside reading for English, y'all know you got to pick like 200 pages of a book and read it. Well, I picked the Bible. Um, you know, I think not knowing anything about it, just knowing how Mr. Watson was, how he carried himself, how he behaved with us, um, started to read the Bible. And uh, I started to read it for myself. And I started to learn. I started to learn about this guy in the Bible. And listen, I, I think some of y'all look at the Bible and you think the Bible is like a is like a story. It's, it's a story and it's, or excuse me, y'all think it's a bunch of different stories and a bunch of different things telling you about all kinds of stuff. And it is. But if you're missing the Bible, if you miss Jesus, you're missing the Bible. Because Jesus is the story. And I started reading about a guy named Jesus. And so just for historical, like think about kings in history back in this time and people that were so important. Like they had a blurb of their life. That's right. It was like this. It ain't like Wikipedia now where you can go find everything, your, your dog, your first pet, your favorite gum, like all this stuff. So we knew like this much about kings and rulers and people that had so much authority. But there's a book like this about Jesus. And I was like, and I started, so I started to read and, and he got me into the gospels and I started to read about how they didn't want this to be true and nobody wanted to believe in him and continue to do all of these miracles and all the things that he set out to accomplish. And a guy that came from absolutely nothing that, it's, that nobody wanted it to happen, still accomplish these things. And it rocked my world. And it changed, um, it changed my trajectory of my life and the way I thought about things. And it's the reason why that it, it helped me and assisted me along the way because it really, really structured my life from then on.
So that happened your senior year in high school. Senior year of high school. And then you go on in a freshman in college and play up under Mark Rick. Yep. What role as a coach, because there's coaches in the room too, like how did Coach Rick influence your spiritual development and spiritual formation as a player under his care? Yeah, and whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, <clears throat> like you are going to become who you hang around with. Like I know some of y'all are going to roll your eyes like your mom always said, you are what you hang with, like and roll your eyes, but like she's, it's true. I mean, if you want to be more negative, hang out with more negative people. Like you can feel that rubs off on you. I mean, you, you want to be lazy? Hang out with lazy people. Like people that aren't ambitious, that don't want to get crap done in life, hang out with those people and you will go, you will follow that path to a T. Um, so if you want to be somebody that wants to be successful and you want to chase dreams and chase goals and you want to make something happen in your life, you got to find people that are going to get in there with you. And Coach Rick was that person. Like Coach Rick taught me that there's more to the game of football than just winning. Coach Rick taught me what it looked like to be a man. And again, my daddy was an awesome daddy, but like he didn't have faith. My dad didn't have any faith and he didn't know anything about the Bible and he couldn't help me in that aspect. So Coach Rick started to teach, pour into me and teach me what it looked like and how you treat people and how he treated our kids on a daily basis. All of us kids together, man, it was, it was unbelievable. So he started to help, you know, shape my identity. And I started to memorize scripture because like we, y'all have a playbook for football. Like God gave us a playbook in the Bible. Like every situation that we're going to encounter, like the hardest of hard, by the way, you look in the Bible, there's some, there's some very difficult situations. No matter what comes our way, he gave us a playbook. He taught us how to execute it. Like he gave us scripture to put in our hearts to arm ourselves. Like if you're a person that's anxious, God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of a sound mind. And once I started in college to memorize scripture and put that in my heart, Whatever came my way, I was okay with. So you want to switch positions? So be it. Girlfriend breaks up with you? Okay, I'll live. Like, I started to really realize that God was in control. And worrying about today, tomorrow, the next, it didn't change anything. It gave me something to do, but it changed nothing about my outcome. Like, God, your, your story, all y'all in here, guys, like, gals, our story is written. Like, our story of what we're going to do in this life is written. It is written for us out. Like, it is not our job to decide every single detail all the time. If you put faith in God and let him decide and, and trust his path, all that fear, all that anxiety, all that worry, all that stuff that we face on a day-to-day -day basis, it will disappear. It will literally go away. Yeah, so talking about your story, um, you refer to September 17, 2006 as the best day of your life. That wasn't when your kids were born. That wasn't when you married your wife. Yeah, I need to revise that after my kids were born. I, I? I got you. Though, <laughs> it's still interesting, nonetheless, that you refer to that as the best day of your yeah. life. This is what you say 16 years later on Twitter. You said, the day I broke my neck was the best day of my life. 16 years ago today, everything I grew up wanting to be was taken away in one hit. When we find ourselves broken, God's peace comforts our spirit because he has a perfect plan of purpose in our pain. Can you speak to us about that? Yeah, so I, I told y'all from when I was four years old and then six years old, I, I wanted to be a football player. I wanted to play in the NFL. And I told everybody that would listen. And, and I worked my tail off and I busted my butt and I finally got to that situation, that spot in my career. And in one play, in one hit, it was gone. I hit, I hit a running back and literally I'm on the ground and I can't move my upper body at all. Um, I think I, the way I compare it, so, so you all have a little context, like, you know, when you fall asleep, put your hands on the pillow, 
and you wake up and you can't move your arms and it's terrifying as crud. That's how, that's how it felt. Um, so they take me from the stadium and they, they take me from the field. They strap me to the gurney and they move me underneath and I have an MRI, an x-ray. They cut off my helmet. They cut off my shoulder pads and they're like, all right, you fractured your C6, C7. And I was like, that's cool. What is that, a couple weeks? And they're like, that means you broke your neck. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, crap. I was like, can we stick to fractured C6, C7 from here on in? Because that sounds a heck of a lot, <laughs> a lot better than a broken neck. Um, but, but I say that because, man, oh, man. Like, and this is, it, all of this stuff is, and we hear so many sayings and it's cheesy, but it's the lessons, not, the, the lessons, not losses. Like, you want to find out who's in your life for the right reason? Man, oh, man. It's not if for y'all, it's when. Like, when adversity comes, and it came for me, Who's in my life for the right reasons? Who's gonna get in there and fight with me? Like I am newly married to my wife. This is not what she signed up for. Yeah. Like, this, is my first, this is my first year of marriage and she's cleaning my halo because they drilled a halo into my, into my skull in the front, in the back, and then it comes down to here so you don't move very much. And she's cleaning my, my scars every day. She's my nurse. Like you wanna talk about God pointing to me like, holy cow, you picked a good one. Um, the sponge baths were amazing. And that was a side note. But, like, um, but I'm just saying, like, you just, like, in, in an instant, in an instant, this is gone. In an instant, everything I had fought for, everything that I had, uh, you know, dreamed about, gone for, chased, was gone. And that moment, man, I learned so much about me. It made me a better dad. It made me a better friend. Like, I think, I don't think God can use us in any way, shape, or form in our full capacity unless we get that. Like, unless we have those moments where we get taken down to here, like, I just don't know that, like, Peter, I mean, for y'all that know the Bible, the, the, the church is built on Peter, and he's a rock, and he's so strong. What did Peter do when Jesus died? He denied him. Not once, not twice, but three times. This is the same dude that was running. He was in Jesus's inner circle that saw him do all these amazing things. And Peter's like, and Peter was even, when Jesus said, you know, you betray me, Peter's like, uh-uh, not this guy. This guy's better than that. Like, I'm, I'm above that. He denies him three times. What does Peter immediately do? He goes back to his old career, goes, starts fishing. Jesus shows himself to him and says, do you love me? Ask him three times. Not a coincidence why he asked him three times, right? Asked him three times. It brings back the memories flooding. What did Peter do? Peter could, I don't think Peter could relate to everybody that he was about to go start the church with. All those people that thousands and thousands and thousands that led to us being here today, I don't think he can do that unless he's brought down to here. Like when you are broken, Damar Hamlin. How, how many of y'all know who Damar Hamlin is? Almost every single person here. When DeMar Hamlin's injury happened, y'all know, raise your hand if you knew where you were at. Like, I know the second I heard about DeMar Hamlin, we all watch him. All those players who are the biggest, baddest dudes in the world, they play a gladiator sport. They beat the crap out of each other. They, they build their bodies to do that. What, what did they all do in that moment? Dude, they all got on their knees and prayed. Why? These are strong jokers, man. These are dudes that can do anything they want to do. What do they do? They know because the, the Bible says every knee will bow. Because you realize like this was way bigger than football. This is way bigger than I could control. And all of them were like, dude, we need help. And I needed help. 
And in that, in that time, it was unbelievable what God started to reveal to me because we don't get still in our country. We don't get, it's one thing to the next, to the next, and there's so many things that can distract us. And the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And that was the first time, and I was 22 years old, that was the first time in my life I'd ever done that. And I got to reap the rewards for up until now in my life that he's blessed me with so many things that came from, from that. Yeah, you actually say that and things I've read that because of that injury, it gave you more time with God. You were in your Bible. You were forced to kind of be still and listen. Uh, but what I love about your story is through that adversity, God opened up another door for you. And that door was ESPN. Um, you actually say you had, if you had, what, more than a 5% chance of getting hurt again, you weren't playing the game anymore. Yep. Um, you start studying scripture. God opens up a door. And you knew kind of where you wanted to be. If I'm going to go in media, I want to be one day on college game day. And that, that seems like such a far thought for us. But you do that, and uh, adversity is what got you there. In fact, maybe elevated your platform a little bit. Here's what I love. I'm, I'm going to read this to our congregation as well. It's incredible to hear David explain. This is what someone said about you. Explain with such conviction and faith how, we, how he embraced pain, how he embraced uncertainty and changed plans. This happens in our lives all the time. His excitement for a different life that God gave him is truly inspiring. And then you say this on Unpacking It podcast. You say the people that have the most peace in life are those that put their heads down, go to work, and know that God has a plan. And his plan is better than mine. His plan is always better than mine. I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, we all walk through things like you walk through adversity, but maybe not to that same extent. But how do you push yourself through that adversity and trust with that resiliency that God does indeed have a better plan for you? Well, I, I think that there's a couple things that, all of us, like, I, I don't know how y'all, I don't know what encourages y'all, but I do know one thing. There is no excuses anymore. Like, there's no excuses for us because you can find a podcast on anything and everything. I'm sure, if I'm offending you, I'm sorry, but I'm sure if you're a basket weaver, I'm sure there's basket weaving uh, podcasts. My wife watches it too. <laughs> Super into that. Sorry about that. Um, Underwater. Great. <laughs> All right. Um, but, but like we, we can find so many things and so many people now, like we have access to so much information. And I think like football is the football. Y'all realize it because like in sports, it's, it's the ultimate teacher. Like, right. My, I love that my kids play sports because you got to show up. You got to be disciplined. You got to be tough. You got to learn all of these lessons. But the first part is you got to show up. And I think with anything in our life, like, we have to be intentional. Like, if we're not intentional, we are not going to be successful. Yeah. If we just get on a bike, and listen, I've done this in my life. You get on a bike, and this is who you are, and I'm just going to ride, 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 and I don't reevaluate, and I don't get still, and I don't ask God for direction, good luck. Like, if, I, if I'm just going to, I'm literally going to be later on in life, and I'm going to be saying to myself, if, could, would, should. Like, what are your goals? What are your dreams? Like, I did not know I wanted to be a commentator. So I'm watching 2006. I'm watching Georgia, LSU, Kirk Herb shoots on TV. And I'm like, dude, what is this dude talking about? He's saying Georgia shouldn't play for a national championship. I'm like, you suck. What are you talking about? <laughs> like yelling at the screen, yelling at the screen with him. And then uh, I'm, I call my agent the next day and I'm like, hey, I think I can do this broadcasting thing. He's like, why? I was like, I'm loud. I'm obnoxious. I'm opinionated. Like, I believe I check well, most of the boxes. Right. Like, I'm, I might be overqualified for this job. And, and, I, and I started to work. And he, but here's the thing to stress. Just like at Georgia, 
you know, three positions in six months at, on campus. Like, I, when I started my media career, I sucked. Like, I promise you all these football players can tell you, I played defense for a reason. See ball, get ball. Like, you don't have to be super intelligent to play defense. That's right. Like, <laughs> hey, D. Lyman, sorry, guys. But I'm just saying, like, the ball snapped and you hunt the ball. You go find it, you go tackle the guy with the ball. So it wasn't overly difficult. I love that the guys are finding people to look at, by the way. Um, Some of so, them don't get it yet. That's yeah. <laughs> um, but but, but you, I had to find, like, I, I wasn't, I didn't know I was going to be good at that. It's something I tried, but I had to work my tail off. Like, whatever, whatever path that you think you want to go pursue, go chase it, man. Because I'll tell you this, I, I don't care what anybody says what you can and can't do, like God can do amazing things. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting up here as one of them, man. I, I, nobody thought that I could play in the NFL. I got those awesome little pats on the head from when I was four years old on. You, you can't, everybody wants to play in the NFL. I, cool, congratulations. But I did. And then that was gone in a day. And at College Game Day, which is the best show on television at ESPN. And like when I started, I was like, yeah, I want, I want to do that. And my agent was like, what? I was like, yeah, I want, to do, I want to go do that. What do I need to go to do that? And God started to open doors. But more importantly, man, I had to work. Yeah. Like, I, I literally looked at myself. I was like, because I was a struggle. Sentences were hard. I was like, okay, I'm a freshman in college again. I got to grind. I got to put my head down. I got to work. And then let's look up later and see where we're at. Yeah, you, you all walk through challenges and adversity. It's easy to look at a life like David's and think that everything was great. And it wasn't. And he's talking about how he had to push through he learned some of these principles in sport. They mm -hmm. carried over into everyday life. Um, I want to show you a quick video. Okay, this is what David said most recently when he faced the last obstacle adversity, and that was uh, getting let go from ESPN. And this is the video that he released. So now I want him to talk. To what you. is up, everybody? I think a lot of the news came out today, and uh, a lot of y'all heard that uh, I won't be brought back to College Game Day next year or to ESPN. And um, just wanted to say thank you to so many people. I just appreciate everybody along the journey. You know, 12, 13 years ago, ESPN taking a chance on me and all the people that I get to work with. Man, I got to work with so many great people and do so many things that was so awesome for so many years. And I'm just very, very thankful for it. And um, I don't know what's next. I have no clue what's next in my life. But I, one thing God's shown me all along the way, man, is he is for me. He's not against me. And NFL broke my neck, career's over, fine TV. Um, you know, found coaching the last couple of years, found speaking the last couple of years. So I know God's got something amazing for me. I don't know what it's going to be, but thank you to all my teammates and all the people that played a part in it and uh, all you that watched and cheered me on. And um, I don't know what's next, but I know it's going to be amazing. Yeah, you, you can play. That's fine. Um, here's what I love about that. One, 29,000 people hit the, hit the like button. So they watched it. But then, too, is the words that he said, I don't know what's next, but I know that God is for me. And sometimes in adversity and situations like this, it's hard to remember that God is not against us, that he's for us. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, and think about in every situation. Now, that doesn't mean like we're going to not experience things, but everything is in our life is in our life for a reason. And it's for us to experience something. But God's not up there going like, yeah, let's torment him. Yeah. Like, I want to torment him. I want to torment her. Now, listen, some days you feel like it's your day. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, he is for us. He always wants what's best for us. He loves us. So, like, again, we're not going to control any of the other stuff. And we, we got to learn to smile because things happen, not cry because they end. 
You know, it's so, like, we, we get to do things in our lives, and, and get to versus have to, by the way. Like, we get to do things that are awesome in our lives, and, and we have to do some things. Some things in our lives we have to do that we don't want to do. Some things in our lives we have to experience what we don't want to experience, but there's a reason for it, and, and God uses it in our lives to, for us to experience more things that we wouldn't experience otherwise. And so, man, I, I was just, like, are you, are you, sh I was shocked, by the way. Like, I, I was, I did not know I was getting fired. I got a phone call and I got fired. Like, it was like that um, after a, you know, 12, 13-year journey. But I just knew, like, when, I knew the feeling of when football disappeared. And I knew the feeling of, like, this is an awesome opportunity that God has for me. I, there's, there's something I need to learn. Like, if we think about it, like, there's something in this that I've got to learn, that I've got to address, that I've got to get better. And, and I'll encourage you with this, too. What, when you face trials and when you face tests, what happens if you fail a class? What do you do? You take it again. Like, if you're going to keep handling your problems, all y'all, the same way, and you keep getting the same result, you're going to keep taking the test. Again and again and again. But if we learn in these tests and these trials and these tribulations, that God's using this for good and we learn what he has for us and what he wants us to learn, now we grow. Now we pass the test. Now we can go on to the next. And I was just excited. I'm excited to be exactly where I'm at now for so many reasons. But um, the biggest one I would say for me is, like, I really get a chance to show my kids struggle now. Like, we've had a really good life. And for a lot of years, a lot of things have gone well and very few things as well. But it's really fun to go to my kids and be like, hey man, pray for me in my direction. Cause I don't have a clue what's coming. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where that, well, I don't know where God's gonna use me, but I know it's gonna be great. And I know it's gonna be fun. And when you have that attitude in life, like when you have an attitude of attack, like I'm gonna go because I know God's got my back and I'm gonna go attack today. I promise you, you'll be more successful. You brought up your kids. Busy schedule, ESPN or NFL player, whichever, the two you want to look at. How do you balance faith and family within the busyness of that schedule? It's tough. I mean, it's definitely hard. Um, but I think we got to realize what's most important. And our, our relationship here with our bride is the most important. Like, if you're a married person in this room, your most important relationship is your spouse. It's not your kids. Like, this, it's biblical. It's your spouse. And... I think the most important thing I've learned is to model that for my kids. And me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He made me sit with my wife and not <laughs> well, him. He was coming to sit with me. I was like, sit with your bride, bro. Um, <laughs> but, like, we have, a, we have an opportunity because our kids, our, kids are, our kids are listening to what we say, yes. But they dang sure see what we do. Yeah. And they see if work is a priority. They see if your bride's a priority. A couple tangible ways, man, that, that I found. When I, when I walk in my door, the first person I meet is my bride. I'm not saying my kids ain't beat my wife there before, but I'm just saying I'm trying to show them what that looks like. I'm trying to make sure that my, she comes first. I tell, them, I tell my kids all the time, like, uh, since they were young, and it was a lot more confusing when they were young, I was like, who's daddy's favorite? And they're like, me. I'm like, nope, mommy. She was here before you, and she's going to be here after you. Like, it's really, really simple. Um, so I think showing that, but with, with work, man, like, I, I was gone three days a week for 17 weeks in a row. So I tried to bring Nicholas and Leah with me as much as possible. That's awesome. Like include them with, Nicholas has been to 28 schools. Like he's been to so many campuses, it's crazy. But try, I try to include them in what I'm doing. And, and, and most importantly, when you're there, be there. 
Like, don't give me the schedule. Don't give me all that stuff. When you're there, put your stupid phone away. When you're there, engage. When you're there, ask questions. When you're there, get into their lives. And I don't care what it is, parents. Like, if you don't like some of their hobbies, they like video games, so what? Like, plug into it. Like, get in their worlds. Understand what they do. Understand what they like. Try to be a part of what they do. Um, but, I, but I will say, I think, it's, I think it's something that it starts when they're young because they need so much attention that I think you start to see a little fracture sometimes with mommy and daddy. And then the sports world comes in and what comes with sports. And then it becomes infinitely harder and more difficult. And then sport, sports, if you want to get in that subject, is a whole other subject. Actually, there's a whole lot you just said that I want to unpack. Okay. Um, one word answer, okay? Do you think, you can do it. Do you, do you think that there was any of how you act now that was caught from Mark or Coach Rick? Because... Catherine was a part of the team. The kids had, had the ability to come out anytime they want. Do you think that you caught some of that and now you implement that? Yes. Great job. Great job. <laughs> Second. I'm coachable. Yeah. 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 Um, you brought up, essentially, you kind of led me to it, but youth sports. I'm going to fire those words at you. Youth sports. Talk to us. Man, some of you parents ain't going to like this. Um, All right. Let's go on to the next question. Yeah, I about to say. <laughs> I'm, here's the thing, man, like, and all these kids that are playing at a higher level now can understand. It's a grind. Sports are a grind. You can put it however you want. You can, you can throw any kind of label you want on it, period. Um, don't make it a grind when they're little. And, and what you prioritize in your life will be what's priority. What you model, you will make. And if every Sunday consists of basketball tournament, baseball tournament and you don't go to church just listen to me this might sting but what you're showing your kids not telling them what you're showing them is that sport is more important than God whether you're saying it or not like you're showing them that you're showing them that we're going to sports we're going to listen that doesn't mean you go to church 52 weeks out of the year and it's every single Sunday blah 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 but I'm just saying like, if you continually skip church for sport, that's what you're showing them. And we've got to realize, I get, I get so many parents that, what drills would you do? What would you, how much do you watch tape with Nicholas? I don't. My son's a ninth grader. I, I, he's going to be, a, he might play on varsity this year as a freshman. I don't care. I'm not watching tape with him. Like, that's not my, that's not my goal. Like, I have so much clout with my kids. I don't want to waste it on sports. Like, I want to waste it on things that are really, really important. On, on Sundays, we are going to church. If you miss a game, if you miss a baseball game that you have 50,000 others, by the way, throughout the day and throughout the year, like, I promise you he's going to be okay. And missing part of a team or not playing sports every weekend isn't going to decide whether your kid's great or not. You are way more likely to turn your kid off to greatness than turn them on because I didn't have a personal trainer. I didn't have a personal coach. I didn't have any of that garbage. I played, on my, I rode on my bike. I played in the neighborhood, but God gave me a, a big body, a big, a big strong body. Like, and he gave me gifts that I could go pursue that. It had nothing to do with what my parents did. And I just think if, if you have so much influence and you wanna use it, why are we using it in sports? Why are we arguing over sports? Why do we leave a game and give our kids a lecture in the car? Like, do you think they meant to suck? 
I mean, do you like, do you think he went out there and was like, yeah, I'm gonna totally suck today to piss mom off. Like, I mean, I just, I, I don't understand. Like, like, what are we trying to get accomplished? I'm gonna with... forward my emails to you. Yeah, so you I'm sure you got them. But like, but what, what, what are we accomplishing? Like, like the, three things, the three things that happen that, that we try to emphasize in our house. Like, listen, did you have fun? Yes, did you have fun? Like, did you try as hard as you can? Okay, I love you whether you scored 50 points or you yeah. scored zero points. But the moment we go, Johnny hit a home run, let's go have a birthday celebration, let's go have a cake celebration, like now you're putting, your po- like, you're putting success on results. Success isn't on results. That's not what success looks like. Like, help them along their way in their journey. Help them enjoy the mess out of it. I was really good, and when I got to college, I became a three-time All-American and became really well because I loved it. So many kids were grinded to a nub, man. They were just t- done listening to X, Y, and Z. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I get to go work out. I can work out extra. This, this is amazing. I get to play football. Like, I, I just think that our perspective, again, you, you don't show your kids that football, basketball, baseball, softball, volleyball is more important than God because it's not. All right, one other thing you brought up a moment ago was when you're there, be there. I hear your family has a box that y'all put your cell phones in, and it's a competition to see who can keep their phone in it the longest. So I want you to talk about that. But the two words I also want you to kind of just dive into are kids and cell phones. Oof. All right. So, well, first of all, we'll start with the, the, the RO box. So we have a thing called an RO box, and it's really cool because you put your cell phone in it, and it calculates the time, and you have a family leaderboard. So whoever had their phone in the, in the box the most wins for the week. Um, I want to win in everything. So I, I don't care what it is. Like, if I'm losing, I'm going to leave it in there all day long. I won't touch it. Um, it's just how I'm, I'm built. But uh, so we get, to, we get to have a competition in the family. But we've also got a set of rules right next to, to our RO box. But, like, listen, I, I know some of y'all know this. I, I, did, I did this with my, my middle school kids not too long ago. Is, is social media real or counterfeit? So everybody agrees it's fake? Okay. But we're still on it. And, and we're still on the, ne- the, the black hole of it never disappears. Mm-hmm. Like, guys, we, we can get on that loop and we, we can get on that treadmill and we can ride that treadmill and it never ends. Your social media will never end. I had a buddy who's, whose grandfather was 91 years old and they're teaching him how to use an iPad and, and, he, and he clicks on every link. So when he types in an article, he clicks on the link and on that link, like something else comes up and it's like how to lose 10 pounds in a week, you know, those awesome links. And he clicks on it and he reads it. And I'll never forget, my buddy told me, he's 91, first time he's had an iPad, he was like, this never ends. And it doesn't. I I firmly believe that it's Satan's best invention. Like the cell phone distracts us constantly from, it it is. Like, and I know, I know some of y'all girls are gonna roll your eyes and be like, oh, I love my phone, whatever. You don't know me, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm sure that's going to happen, but like, if you really think about it, I can look at your last five posts and I can see what you're all about. I don't even know y'all. I can, I can click on your last five posts. I can see if you're trying to get likes. I can see if you're trying to brag. I can see exactly what you're about. And like our cell phones are a giant distraction. And, and listen, that doesn't mean they don't have things that are good in them. Like our cell phones, we got so much access to knowledge and technology, but here's something you, you want to know if you got a problem. See if you can go 24 hours without your phone. I'm sorry. Some of y'all, see if you can go a whole morning without your phone, without ticking, yeah. or without 
without being in trouble. And, and, and some of y'all, it's interesting. At this age where y'all are at, some of y'all are going to be like, yeah, I take a lot of pride in that. Yeah, that's right. It's my phone. It's my business. As you get older, you realize, mm-hmm, stupid, wasted time. But it's going to take you going through that, obviously. But, but if, we've, if we learn to put our cell phones up, if we learn to eliminate some of that distraction, we'll get a heck of a lot more done. I'm, I'm not saying it's easy because everything, shoot, I got kids that are now, I got a kid that's in high school and, made, and my daughter made the eighth grade volleyball team. Basketball. Like all they do is send it, you know, through their phones. You don't even know. So it's, it's, it's getting work. I'm sure the church, everything we do, communicate, like all the social media stuff. Like, but if you just realize that it is fake, like if you, if you all admit that and you realize that, like you waste so much time that you could be more productive on. We, we hate being still. We hate, like we walk in a house now from doing 20 things and what do we do? We turn the TV on for noise. Yeah, sure. Like you literally just turn the TV on. Like reading is okay. Find ways to just put it away just for a little bit and do challenges with your friends, maybe how long you can go without having it. But it's just, it's just a giant distraction. I know we don't want to say that and we don't want to admit it, but it is. All right, so anything else about kids and cell phones? No, we're good. No, we're good. Okay. I already see minus two minutes on the screen. So. Yep, so you guys need to know <laughs> that uh, there is a podcast that David and his pastor started, and it's called Family Goals Podcast, a phenomenal resource for those of you who would like to listen to that. Um, he has thoughts on cell phones and kids as well as youth sports and so many other things on there. I would lo- love to encourage you to be a part of that. I'm going to throw three questions at you real quick. Do I have to be um, quick? Yeah, just forget that. Yes for or no? No, just forget. No, not yes or no. A lot of middle school and high school students are in the room. What piece of advice would you give them? Your friends are your future, um, so pick your friends wisely. And, and, and ways... And here's the thing. The thing, the, thing, the, thing, the thing I hate about saying something like that is that's so broad and it's so hard to understand. But if y'all will just go like this, who's my wisest friend? Who's my most dependable friend? Like that always has my back. Who's a friend that's not gonna betray me, that's gonna like always be there if I need him to do anything they'll do? Like ask yourself those questions because that's easier than saying like, Oh, do I need to be around so and so? Like, ask yourself a couple of questions. Like, who, if I came to them with the worst news ever that I'd done something so horrible, they still got my back. Mm. So that's kind of a way to, to find it. But you're, you're going to become who you hang out with most. Yeah. So those middle school and high schoolers, they have parents. What would you share with them, advice that you would give them? Strap in. Strap in. I mean, I just, I, I, think, I think parenting is our most difficult job, and it's the hardest thing that we do. But, like, I, I don't think we're supposed to be their friends. I don't think we're supposed to, uh, I don't think we're supposed, <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to be their friends. I suppose, to, I, I think, find what your goal is, like as a parent, like what is, the, what are the few things that are really, really important to you and make sure you don't compromise those things. But I, I dude, I used to, when people used to say, uh, you can't pick every battle, I'd be like, bull crap. I'll fight every freaking one of them. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll die on that hill, I'll die on that hill. And the older my kids get, I'm going, nope. Like, my daughter with clothes, I'm like, nah, bro. I don't want any part of that. I mean, you're, you, you learn, like, use your energy and pick your spots of where you really want to um, be intentional with what's really, really important to them. But you can't, you can't fight every battle, man. I just, because then you're always doing this. And, and find, find, like, y'all probably mostly know the five love languages. And we talked about this on our podcast. Have you ever thought about the five love languages for your kids? 
Like, how does my kids feel loved the most? And understand that just like you do with your spouse and understand how to plug into them and so they feel the most love and they know you care about them. Not, not, not just with your wife. Like, you also need to do that with your kids. Yeah, that's good. All right, so um, as a husband, you ever sent your wife to the veteran crime because you lost a game? Yep, board games. See, it's normal, normal behavior, guys. I do want you to talk. We got I'm not athletes. proud of that, but... <laughs> Super competitive. Um, we have high school students, middle school students. We have their parents. We have coaches. We have members of our church, and we have guests. Okay, all in the room. Why would you? What would you say to them about the importance of following Jesus as their Savior? I, I think just like anything else, no matter what you've heard, no matter what your preconceived notions are, um, no matter what any of us Christians have done, because. We don't all do the right thing. We're not perfect, and we're going to mislead you and make things look bad. I would say do research for yourself. Like, the Bible is an amazing read. It's the most studied document in the history of mankind. Like, it's the most publicized. It's, it's the most well-known. Everything about it, it's the most famous. But what we do is we take little bits and pieces, and we kind of pick what we want to believe. Like, go experience it for yourself. Compile a list of questions of things like, hey, this doesn't make sense. You'll find a lot in the Bible. Like, I don't understand this. But if you read it for yourself and not take what social media says or what somebody that you know that says, because a lot of us are bad representations of what it looks like. Um, but read it. Formulate some questions. Do your own research about it. And when I did that, and I don't think I did it for the right reasons, it rocked my world. And it changed the way I lived my life. And it changed the way, changed the person I am slowly. It took time. I didn't change overnight and become a great person. That doesn't happen. Like, it definitely was a process of screwing things up along the way, but just try it for yourself. Like, there, what do you, here's, the, here's the question for you young kids. What do you have to lose? Everything. What do you have to gain? Everything. Like, I mean, if you do the research for yourself, at least you gave yourself a chance to know that you might spend eternity somewhere. Hey, let's put our hands together and thank David Pollock. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Thank you so much.